This is episode 413 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles, Handling Gangs, Mobs, and Riots When SHTF, and Six Things You Can Scavenge from Old Lawnmowers. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my ebook and audiobook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like to get some more information, come on over to ThePrepperWebsitePodcast.com or click the link in the show notes. All right, so I have a couple of very varying articles for you today. So we're going to jump from handling gangs, mobs, and riots all the way to what you can scavenge from a lawnmower. And so a little bit of everything, maybe, possibly, or just some different things here uh, to discuss today. So let's go ahead and jump into our first one. It comes to us from PreppersWill.com. And again, the article is entitled Handling Gangs, Mobs, and riots when SHTF. Now, SHTF can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. It can mean just, uh, you know, things have gone crazy for a temporary time. Uh, some people, you, you know, call that SHTF. Some people would say, okay, hey, everything has gone, like it, it's the collapse, like it's the zombie apocalypse or whatever. Some people would call that Teotihuacan or the end of the world as we know it. Other people call it SHTF. I'm thinking more along the lines of, hey, if this is, you know, things are going down and it is a temporary, you know, poop hit the fan moment. It is something like we saw in Ferguson or other riots, things that have happened. And so, you know, something to consider here Um, and possibly things could spiral out of control for a while, you know, days, maybe weeks before things become or things get under control again. And so there's just some advice here that we can follow and uh, things that you can consider uh, because it's always good just to have some of this stuff in the back of your mind. I'm sure the people in Ferguson uh, weren't thinking about being right in the smack dab middle of a riot. And we have actually we've read that uh, we've read an article before. I know that there was someone who went through that that uh, wrote an article for Daisy Luther over at TheOrganicPrepper.com. And we did read that a while back. And so, you know, you might find yourself in a situation like that when you just weren't planning on it, right? Now, I always say you need to be prepped and aware. You need to be aware of what is going on in your community and what's going on in the world. But nevertheless, you know, even the best of us can be caught off guard so there's always needs to be this information and an idea and plans and what would you do? So it's always good to have a little bit of time to maybe process a scenario or two and think about what you would do in a situation like that. So let's go ahead and jump right in. As a prepper, you have surely sat back over an evening cup of coffee and contemplated certain SHTF. We have witnessed over the past few years just how quickly one event can cultivate a series of events, typically not of good nature. If and when civil unrest breaks out, the best preparation you can have is a good plan of action against gangs, mobs, and riots. So gangs, looters, and mobs. 
As has been the case for many years, gangs already have dominion over the dark, overlooked parts of today's cities. However, they are semi-bound up by demographics, though they are still becoming more widespread with time. When the SHTF, however, they will be entirely unchained. They will find their strengths empowered by the disorder and turmoil that will plague the nation. It will be during this time, depending upon how bad the S has hit the fan, that law enforcement officers will be more concerned about the safety and welfare of their own families, rendering them useless for protecting you. They will more than likely choose to defend their own belongings. This is, of course, all hypothetical when SHTF, any number of things can happen. The essential point is that you are your main keeper. You must remain in charge of your environment. People who are residing in large cities or just densely populated suburbs will be exposed to a very brutal, savage, and bizarre setting. The gangs that are seemingly tucked away underground now will be out in groves, foraging and pillaging. We have seen it happen during riots in recent months. Today's gangs have already sharpened their criminalistic skills. They have the weapons, and they are not in the least afraid to use them. It is going to be extremely difficult to confront or evade drifting clans of hostile, scouring gang members. Gang members at this point meaning anyone who is willing to stoop to the level of looter. In fact, the task may be impossible for many. Think about it in the sense of numbers. Say there are four of you, a son, daughter, wife, and yourself. Oh sure, your family has become mightily efficient by way of home protection. But how do you plan to hold out when there are 10, 20, 60 or more of them rushing your compound. It is going to take some crafty planning, specific tools, and enough on your side to handle this imminent threat. If you simply don't have the tools or do not have large numbers, the best bet will be to devise a plan that steers clear of direct conflict. Your plan will vary greatly depending upon many situational factors. The main thing to remember is that planning ahead is always the best route. Be it building a compound-like property in a city or suburb, or simply moving away from your densely populated suburbia, preparing is the key to survival. The reality is simple. Gangs, violent protesters, and looters are going to be a real threat and a danger to the rest of society. They are the group of humans who cannot deal well with rationality. This means you can't use rationality with them, protect yourself, and your family. So ask yourself these questions. Will these so-called gangs rule the cities after SHTF? Are they going to pillage in massive roves or remain in smaller bands as they pilfer their way through? And can your single household possibly stand a chance against these factors if they do come out? So dealing with looters. First of all, you'll need to have a grip over your emotions. To refrain from looting and losing all sense of common sense, you must have much self-discipline and control of your emotions. When you witness illicit activities right in front of you, just keep moving your way. No need to rebuke them, shout at them, or stop them. Just stay your course and pay them no mind. Stay low, blend in, but don't succumb to their lowness either. Try not to go out at night unless absolutely necessary. For whatever wild biological reasoning, when darkness overtakes the light of day, people tend to become more unruly and reckless. If there is chaos in your surrounding area, don't go out at night simple as that and if you remember watching the ferguson riots and things like that i mean that kind of happened there was things would go on during the day but it always seemed at night that's when things got rowdy so carry the proper weaponry on your person this can include a gun knife 
paracord, lockpick set, handcuff key, etc. Watch how the looting gangs or mobs are flowing. If you happen to turn a corner to face a large group of people looting and causing chaos, do not try to walk through them. Do not go against the grain of their moving. Go with the flow with some patience, take your time, and get out as soon as possible. Be especially prepared to fight back, as if your life depends on it. It will, if you mistakenly make a wrong move. You could have the entire mob of vagabonds turning on you. Always be prepared for the worst, while hoping for the best. So avoiding a riot. The number one rule in preparing for riots is to try to avoid them at all costs in the first place. Also, teaching your loved ones to shun joining protests is an important preparation. They should learn more effective ways of making a difference. Curiosity killed the cat, and if you follow your curiosity to follow a protest or riot that is taking shape, you may just find yourself in a mighty peculiar scenario. You really don't need to stick around to see how it unfolds. There will be plenty of thirsty news coverage on it. You can trust that. If you reside in a strained area of neighborhood that has a history of civil unrest or major crime, you may want to consider moving out. Also, if you have no choice but to stay where you are, get to know your surrounding neighbors and learn potential escape routes. If you are with companions, stick together. There is much safety in numbers. Remember to always practice situational awareness. Survive a riot. Oh boy, so you decided to take the way of the curious cat or perhaps SHTF while you were out doing your everyday thing and you find yourself in and amongst a fully developing riot or aggressive protest. If you find yourself in the position, do not panic. Do not start aimlessly running or flailing about. Of course, you are going to want to exit the scene as quickly as possible, but it will take diligence and patience. If you act out manically, you may quickly become a target. Again, refrain from acting purely off emotions. This can be dangerous. This will, however, be a difficult task requiring much practice and exercise. You are going to want to blend in with the enemy. That being said, if they are moving in a certain direction and you are in the middle, go with the flow and gradually make your way out. If they are holding signs and chanting, you may as well join in or pretend to be with them. If you let it be known that you are against their cause, you could very quickly be turned to ground beef by the hands of hundreds of rioters and nobody wants that. Don't allow your emotions to provoke them. Keep a level head and a quiet mouth. Hide anything on your person that may make you a target. If there is nowhere to go, make your way over to a building that is not being attacked, burned, or pillaged, or a dumpster or alleyway. Only use this course of action in the direst of times as it could quickly turn south on you. So handling yourself in SHTF. It is easy to see how quickly things could go wrong and how fast gangs or a mob may take up arms. There are many ways to handle, avoid, and survive these civil upheavals. The number one most important factor in the whole thing boils down to how you handle yourself when the poop goes down. There are several things you can personally do that will greatly help your chance of surviving immense civil unrest. Plan ahead. Go ahead and start to prepare your escape routes now. Know the dynamics of your particular neighborhood and surrounding area. If you know your area is dangerous and has a high potential for more danger post-SHTF, know where you can get to for safety and just how to get there how long it would take to get there, and with the people and items you may be carrying. It is of extreme importance that you plan ahead. Then remain calm. 
As always, never ever panic. There will be enough drama unfolding around you. This will not be the appropriate time to be getting your Shakespeare on. Don't allow the craziness to enter into your mind and emotions. Chances are there will be some violence in the streets and you will see things that may fire you up, but you must remain cool and level-headed. Just keep moving, remaining calm, and inconspicuous. If you are surrounded by pure anarchy, just try to blend as well as you can and move forward towards whatever safety awaits you. And remain inconspicuous. Try with all your might to blend in with the crowd that you find yourself in or your environment. You will stand a far better chance of going unnoticed at least long enough to devise a plan. Try not to stir any pots. Don't voice your opinion. Simply echo the behavior of the people around you. No one will question your motives or allegiances. Stay mentally and physically ready for conflict. Once SHTF, you may just have to defend your loved ones and yourself. While this should always be your last resort, you may be left with no choice but to contend with those opposing you in order to maintain your well-being. You should have an assortment of self-defense weapons, including your own body. Always keep your health in check. You won't do your family very much good if you are out of shape and unreliable. Then find a safe space. An alternative to leaving your dwelling, if by chance you simply cannot leave or don't have ample opportunity or just have the money, is to build a bunker on your property. This will allow you to escape all the social unrest that will inevitably unfurl. Once your bunker is built and stocked, it will provide you with much of the comforts of home, minus all the looting, shooting, stealing, and mugging going on in the streets. All right, so I think if you have the money to build a bunker, you're probably not going to be in an area of town that would be able to go into uh, or that would have rights and things like that. I mean, that's just the way that I think. Uh, so I don't know if that's one of those things that you could possibly do, but maybe a, a safe room would be a room of very, very last resort if that was something that you, you needed to have. And so that's another thing you could possibly look into. All right, so concluding this article, of course, we all hope and pray that the big poop does not hit the fan that the authorities can't hold it down for years and years to come, that since we have had peace all this time, it may continue on, that maybe all these national problems we are facing are simply over-exaggerated. However, hopeful we remain, we must always remain prepared. It must be kept in mind that we have been living under a false sense of security. Be aware of where you live, what is going on in your surrounding communities, whether or not your life may be in danger after SHTF. Is there the lurking threat of gangs? Are you in a low-income area where some may attempt to steal your food and other supplies? It is nearly inevitable if SHTF, gangs, looters, and rioters will be crawling out of the woodworks. Riots and civil unrest will rule the streets for some time, depending upon the scenario, of course. You must remain prepared to ensure your survival. Alright guys, so, you know, there's a tendency... To think that something like this is so out of control. Again, you know, some of you are probably thinking that would never happen where I'm at. And others of you are like, you know, that's it's possible, right? You, you just have to think about that. So where I uh, was an administrator, we would have a gang task force meeting every so often. And I live out in the suburbs. 
And there's legit gang activity out here, you know, in the schools. I mean, it was always around the schools and what was going on. But I mean, gang activity reached all the way into elementary school. So if you can't, I mean, try just to imagine that. So there was elementary age kids, and we're talking kindergarten through fifth grade, who had brothers and family members. I mean, this is like a family thing in some in some families that were gang members. And so it was the gang lifestyle. And so they were around it all the time. So think about your fifth grader or your elementary child being around other children who the gang lifestyle was just always built in. It was, you know, that was the way they lived. That was normal to them. And so it, you know, there was this kind of like what this article was saying, there's this facade out there. I mean, we live, like I said, in the suburbs, everything is nice. Everybody has their nice cars and their manicured lawns. And then you go down a street and you take a wrong turn and you're in a neighborhood that's a little run down, right? And so there might be a couple of families living in one home or, or you know, it's, you know, whatever. Maybe there's a family members in there that are dealing drugs and they can afford that home or whatever it might be. But for whatever reason, those homes still are a little run down. And you can find pockets like that all over the place. And so these these gangs were criminal. They did do things that were criminal. And so you can kind of imagine if the fear of police, the fear of going to the jail, the fear of all that going, uh, you know, happening was taken out of the out of the mix, what would happen? So definitely we wouldn't have the gang activity like a city like maybe Chicago would have, or maybe even, you know, inside the city limits in, in Houston would have, but there would be some of that. It very well could be that they start to band together, you know? So the gangs from the city, you know, hear that, hey, there's a, there's a lot that you can loot and a lot that you can do out here in the suburbs. So let's go head on over there because there's there's a lot more, you know, money and things that we can steal over there. So, you know, that is a possibility as well. So I want to kind of end with this article. Just don't think that it, this can't happen where I'm at, because a lot of the times we we sat in those meetings and we were just blown away. That it's like, wow, this is happening. This scenario is happening like five miles away from where my school is. And no one would have thought about that, but it's it's that close. And, and that's very possible. And then you have that aspect where even if it is four or five gang members and they're going around everyone's normalcy bias where there's people coming up and, and it, you just if, if you're not thinking that bad things can happen, bad things can happen very, very quickly because you're not aware of it. And so, again, this is not a scare tactic thing. I don't, you know, I, I don't like the doom and gloom stuff all the time, but it does lend itself to the fact that we should be thinking, critically thinking about what's going on and, and, and not be so naive that things can go bad very, very quickly, right? So this article is found over at PreppersWill.com. And like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. All right, so let's go ahead and go to a whole nother type of just thinking here. You're still critically thinking, right? You're still uh, trying to figure things out and, and think outside of the box. But this one's just going to cover something totally different. And so this article comes to us from homesteadsurvivalsite.com. And the article is entitled, Six Things You Can Scavenge 
from old lawnmowers. Now, just recently, we talked about the Great Depression and how people hoarded and, and uh, people saved things and they didn't really throw anything away. And this is kind of in line with that. But think about if you were in a situation where, again, you can go to the store and you had to use ingenuity to figure things out and you had to use your brain to you know, to learn how to fix things and you know, how could you get the most out of something. And so you have this old lawnmower here and it's, you know, it's on its last leg and it's died or whatever. And so you can just roll it out to the side of the street and you know that someone who is, someone's going to come around in a truck and they're going to pick it up for scrap and they're going to get it off your hands. But what if you could use that lawnmower or parts of that lawnmower for different things, right? So this is just one of those uh, articles that can kind of get you thinking again of how I can use, how I can take something and use it in a whole different way. So six things you can scavenge from old lawnmowers. After a couple of years of repairs and replacements, you've just got to accept that your lawnmower is not immortal. Even this grass-eating machine has an expiration date. But don't haul that bad boy off to the dump just yet. Instead of adding another hunk of metal to your local landfill, consider disassembling your lawnmower and repurposing its parts. In the spirit of homesteading, every piece of metal, plastic, and cordage can be reused somewhere around your house or property. So we've broken down your options so that you can break down your lawnmower. Piece by piece, here are six repurposing ideas to get your wheels spinning. Number one is cordage. A lawnmower starter cord is usually around seven feet of tough rope that you can find a purpose for immediately. So a clothing or camping line. Your lawnmower cord is most likely a double or triple braided rope, which makes it quite the durable find. With that in mind, it is fit to hold a bit of weight. Try tying both ends to a pole or a tree, and now you've got a handy hanging line for the outdoors. Hauling equipment. A lawnmower pull cord is pretty long and pretty strong, perfect to bundle items. Tie up a bundle of chopped wood or thread your screwdrivers and now you've got an easy carry system. What about a bag straps? Do you have some old worn out backpacks with torn straps? Don't throw them out just yet. Replace the straps with some old lawnmower cords. They're usually thick enough to hold the weight of your bag, but if not, you can make a fancy braid for extra support. Or a basic snare trap. Imagine you're in the middle of tough times and need to catch some food. Head over to your lawnmower, extract the cordage, and set up a quick snare. You can catch big animals or small, depending on how long your cord may be. Now, some of those are stretches, right? But the fact is that there's some cordage there that you could use, and it's very strong cordage. So if you took that cordage and you had it and you had it available for you whenever you needed something to, you know, you needed to tie off something, you needed a, a strong cord, you have that. And so you could just EDC that if you needed to. All right. So the second thing you can scavenge are the blades. Depending on the brand, lawnmowers can have up to seven blades. These blades are tough and can be sharpened. So why would you ever throw them away? So use them as knife blades. The most obvious way to reuse your lawnmower blade is to turn them into knives. A knife for protection, a machete for chopping through the brush, or a simple backyard knife, whatever. There will be some metal work involved, so check out this video tutorial on how to shape and finish your knife. What about small parts? 
Some of those old mower blades are pretty small and thin, so here is where the metal work comes in again. You can carve these pieces of metal into small tools like hinges and shelf brackets. Have fun with the ways in which you can reshape and repurpose your metal with this wood stump work workshop tutorial. And then an electrolysis tank. If you haven't already heard of one, an electrolysis tank is a contraption for removing rust and it's pretty popular since it is so easy to assemble at home. You can DIY this electrolysis tank using the blades as metal rods. Check it out in this tutorial. Then there's the engine. Sometimes our lawnmower's infrastructure fails, but the engine still has some kick to it. If that's the case, take that sucker and reuse it. A wheelbarrow. If that old engine still has some kick to it, then how about fixing, up, fixing it up to make an engine-powered wheelbarrow? It may sound odd, but if you're doing a lot of gardening and landscaping, then I'll make, it'll make life a little easier. You can even reuse those old wheels and handlebars too. All right, so I, I got to tell you, I don't know about that one. A generator. With a little welding and some power tools, you can turn that old engine into a generator. The best part of this project is surprisingly easy once you've got the right parts. All you need is the engine, the alternator, a cast iron pulley, electrical wires, and industrial V-belt. Some brackets and you're good to go. Alright, what about the oil? Drain the old oil of your lawnmower engine so that you get some use out of every last drop. What about preventing termites? I know, I know, when you think about it, coating your whole barn or furniture with motor oil is not ideal. However, you can use oil on the tips and corners of wooden fences, boards, and posts to prevent termites from eating through the base. All right, I got to tell you, I didn't know that uh, putting oil or motor oil prevented termites from eating wood, uh, but you know, I guess I learn something new all the time. And then you can make a torch. When the electricity is out for days, go siphon the oil out of your machine for a makeshift torch. Get a sock or some old rags and a stick. Just wrap the rag around the end to make it look like a cotton swab and dip the end in motor oil. What about the handlebars? Here's a video to show you how to remove the handle from your lawnmower. That was the hard part. Now the fun part. A clothing rack. With some nuts and bolts, you can attach your de-rusted handlebar to your wall. Just like with any other wall rack, hang towels or clothes on it. And then a rolling bar cart. Who said every repurpose had to be super practical? Here's a chic addition to your home in the form of a rolling bar cart. In addition to your handlebars, you'll need a few metal shelves to create a home bar that your friends will love. Right? I don't know about that one either. And six, dry grass. Check your grass collection bag or bin before you start tossing things out. When times are tough, every bit of green material counts. As a natural fertilizer, did you know that you don't actually have to remove the grass clippings after you've cut your lawn? We do this because we want the yard to look nice, but you can literally leave the grass on your lawn and it'll decompose to provide nutrients for the soil. As animal feed, if you're raising animals, then store the dry grass for extra animal feed in the winter. As long as you haven't been growing your grass with chemicals, then it's perfectly safe for your livestock. And then compost. Some people would rather just toss dry grass aside, but don't forget that it's a great addition to your compost pile. Green grass won't compost on its own, however. Remember to balance out the brown materials with green materials. 
So with the right equipment and a little imagination, there are tons of ways you can repurpose an old lawnmower. While this may feel like extra effort, think of the benefits. By disassembling and reusing all of these parts, you are saving money, learning new skills, and most importantly, not contributing to soil pollution. Part of homesteading is enjoying the process of learning how to be self-sufficient. Don't know how to do metalwork? Here's your chance. Want to teach your kids how to tie proper knots? Another opportunity has arisen. Find the lessons in this and enjoy this homesteading life. All right, so one of the things that I was thinking about here is if you were possibly wanting to, and I talk about this in my ebook, one of the things, you know, one of the micro biz- businesses that you could start is repairing old lawnmowers. And I remember we had an old lawnmower that we had uh, the handlebars actually uh, rusted through. And there was uh, a lawnmower company. They sold new lawnmowers, but I guess they collected old junk. I guess they, I don't think they bought them from people. I think people just came and turned them in. So they had uh, a nice selection of older lawnmowers there. And so when I took the other part to match it up, there was one that I was able to find. And so I had a lawnmower that worked. The only thing that was the problem was the handlebars. And so some people would say, okay, I'm going to throw all this away because of the handlebars. But I was able to buy the handlebars for like 10 bucks. And so my lawnmower still worked. So we were able to take that up to the country and we're able to use that in spots where we can't get the tractor and and things like that. So that's something to, to consider, right? Because people will throw things away because they it's easier for them to go buy a new one or they just they've never repaired anything in their life and so they they don't even know where to start and so they'll put it out there so that you can pick it up and there you go I mean you've got a, a lawnmower that's perfectly fine and so let's just say that you started putting an ad in Craigslist and you said hey I will pick up your old lawnmower you know from from you you know for free and so you just keep putting it in there and people will call you up. And so you get their lawnmower. And if you have property, you can store them or you can start to try to repair them. And what if you were able to repair them and you were able to then turn around and sell them, right? And so I will repair your, uh, or I will pick up your old lawnmower. And so what about this? You, you, someone calls you t- so that you can go pick up their old lawnmower. And then you ask them, well, do you have another lawnmower? You know, and they're like, well, no, I got to go buy one. Like, hey, I've got one for 50 bucks. You know, it's a used one, but it works good. And, you know, you pick up the old one and you give them the, the used or you sell them the used one. Right. Something like that happening. Or you just learn. You just want to learn how to do small engine repair. And so you have this lawnmower where you're able to practice on and, and different things like that. But I'm telling you, there, there's people out there who would rather go buy new and not have to deal with things that are broken down. I mean, it could be something like a carburetor that needs a little bit of uh, of, of love and, and attention, right? It could be blades that need to be sharpened. It could be that handlebar that is rusted through. And I just think that that is something that can be done. Or, you know, you can pick up you know, you can do small engine repair as a micro business. And so uh, where you're able to pick up someone's uh, lawnmower and you're able to do a tune up or, you know, that could be it too. Hey, well, I'll get your lawnmower tuned up for summer so you can or, you know, so for spring so you can start cutting, you know, and you can, you know, offer to sharpen the blades and all that kind of stuff and, and get it ready. 
So, you know, when I think of articles like this, that's that's kind of where I'm going. Of course, you can always scavenge stuff. If we were in a situation where you're not going to the store anymore or whatever, I would be looking at everything and I would try to look at things. So that is a skill, really. I mean, there's some people that are just creative that are able to look at something and they're able to look, think outside of the box and how can I reuse this and repurpose this thing in, in so many ways. But then, so some people have that, that's just, a, you know, innate in them. They're creative that way. But then it's also a skill that you can begin to develop where you look at things and like, how can I use this in a different way? How can I use this to, you know, better something or, you know, better myself or, or, or whatever it might be, better my situation. So there's always that aspect of it as well. When you get to something like this, an article like this is like, you know, figuring out how to do it. So if the poop ever hit the fan truly, and you know, we were, we couldn't go to the store anymore. Uh, what, you know, what, with the things that we have around us, what could we do with those things? And so um, maybe that's something you start to develop now and uh, start start getting to the point where you work on things, you know, uh, just trying to fix things. If something is broken, go ahead and, you know, if you're like your spouse is like, no, we need to get a new one, fine, whatever. But take the old one to the garage and break it apart and see how it works and try to put it back together. And if you get it to work, fine. If not, you have that experience that you just had and taking it apart and figuring out how things work and trying to get it to work. And so that's a skill that would be very, very useful, you know, if the poop hit the fan is being able to figure things out and being someone that could fix things very easily. So guys, again, like I said, over at homesteadsurvivalsite.com, I'm going to link to this one in the show notes as well. If you're interested in checking this one out, there are a lot of links on this one you can go click on. And so I welcome you to do that. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 413. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.